three, two, one. This is On the Record, the podcast of the Bristol Herald Courier. Hi, this is David McGee, and last Wednesday, we went to Cherokee, North Carolina to interview Principal Chief Richard Sneed of the Eastern Band of the Cherokee Indians. Chief Sneed is looking to locate a casino on the Pinnacle property in Virginia, but he admits they've got a long way to go because they've got to change the legislation currently before the General Assembly. Here now is part of our conversation with Chief Sneed and what he wants to accomplish here in the Bristol area. Good. Well, Chief, uh, first of all, thank you for your time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, the Cherokee have been in the gaming business, I guess, since about 1999 here in, in, in this location. And you've been drawing a lot of people from Tri-City, Southwest Virginia, our region, coming over here to, to participate. So now you're, you've, you've got a stake in our region. So tell me a little bit about what, what was it that really attracted you to the Pinnacle Project? Why do you think that's, that's valuable? Well, I mean, obviously, first and foremost, the, the, um, the opportunity to enter, enter into the commercial gaming market is, uh, is something that we see as uh, an opportunity that the tribe uh, has thought about. We've given a lot of thought to for a long time based on our success here. Um, when we saw the opportunity so close to home, uh, you know, we, we looked at that and said that was, you know, the analytics on it um, looked good for us, the close proximity to us. Uh, but then the pinnacle itself, just just the um, the development itself, uh, it just lends itself to uh, a gaming project. I mean, um, when I f- took my first trip up there, and uh, you know, I'd seen aerial shots of it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't do it justice. I mean, you have to be there and experience it. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, you have uh, top notch dining and enter- dining entertainment and retail uh, offerings. Um, you've got the Bass Pro Shop. Uh, the the new Best Buy just went in. I saw that there was. Um, is, is it uh, what's the car dealership that's going in? Um, I forget which one it is. Carmax is Carmax, in there. That's right. the one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then and then talking to Steve about uh, you know his plans to uh, put a uh, hotel and water park resort. Yeah. Um, a concert venue. Uh, it's it just seemed it just makes the most sense. It's the perfect fit. Um, access right off of I eighty one. And and I think more importantly when I when I spoke to. Um, uh, What's his name? Paul? Is it Paul Johnson? Mm-hmm. PJ? Mm-hmm. Joe Pump, yeah. Yeah. Uh, about, uh, I said, you know, when, if you're looking at it purely from a developmental standpoint, um, and I'm not throwing off on the city of Bristol uh, or, or their plans, but if, if as, as, a, as a developer or if, you're, or if we're going to be an owner-operator, um, you know, you have to look at the infrastructure costs. Mm-hmm. And looking at the old Bristol Mall site, I mean, you've got basically a, a two-lane road uh, for access, getting in and out. Um, I don't know what the uh, the water, sewer, and fiber options are uh, over there, but uh, at the Pinnacle site, you've already got uh, a four-lane traffic pattern running through the property. Mm-hmm. You've got curbing, sidewalk, street lights, traffic lighting, water, sewer. I mean, all the infrastructure is in place already. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lay of the land lends itself to development, um, and then of course there's there's always the opportunity to uh, work with. Um, I guess it would be Virginia DOT to uh, right to. Uh, gain access to uh, the other interchange at the other end of the property. Right. So, uh, so who approached to and, and when did you guys start talking about this project? So Steve Johnson approached me uh, first. Uh, it's probably been about four months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, uh, you know, we kind of ramped up the talks and intensified the uh, um, 
our intent. Uh, of course, everything I do, I have to. I, I don't have unilateral authority to just say, mm-hmm. "Sure, let's go do this." So, mm-hmm. uh, after my first meeting with him, uh, of course, I was I was very interested right from the outset. Mm-hmm. Um, presented the idea to tribal council. Uh, you know, government being what government is, you know, going through our processes and getting uh, their approval uh, to proceed. Um, you know, we. I was a little bit disappointed that, uh, you know, the, the story had been framed as, well, you guys are, you know, trying to come lately, late latecomers to the game. Uh, at this point, it's a political issue, right? And, and politics being what they are, uh, nothing's final until the governor signs off on it. Sure. And, uh, you know, looking at uh, the JLARC study, and, and I think it's important, uh, whether, whether uh, the Pinnacle and whether the Eastern Band end up uh, as, a, as a license holder, um, you know, at the end of the day, the, the citizens of Virginia should want, uh, you know, the best options and the best uh, operators possible. Mm-hmm. So all of the findings in the JLARC study are things that, that, I mean, we're familiar with already. I mean, uh, a competitive bid, bid process, other markets, that is, that's, a, that's just a standard best practice mm-hmm. is to have a competitive bid process as opposed to uh, creating a process in law that says a license will go here, a license mm-hmm. will go here. Uh, having the competitive bid process is, uh, ensures that you get, um, you know, the best possible product for the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, another recommendation of the JLAR uh, study was to engage with a third-party, basically third-party non-bias vendor to vet all of the applications, mm-hmm. uh, which we agree with, because then you ensure that you uh, extract politics or, you know, uh, it's, 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 it should be a non-bias process determining who, uh, who should be awarded the license. Uh, and thirdly, and this is something we are very familiar with, is uh, uh, intensive background checks and vetting of those who will be licensed. So at our operation, and we've been in business, we're in our 24th year, um, every employee at, uh, and then the concern there, and even back when, when we were looking at gaming back in, in the early 90s, uh, one of the concerns that always comes up is, is historically there's the, uh, I guess the public perception that with gaming, there's there's all you know there's there's organized crime there's mm-hmm. you know there's, there's mm-hmm. the mobs involved that was you know those were the rumblings we heard uh, way back in in the early '90s, and um, the processes that we have in place and keeping in mind that we're we fall under federal regu- uh, regulation through the National Indian Gaming Commission the NIGC, mm-hmm. um, you know they require and our local uh, regulator regulatory board requires uh, very intensive background checks for every employee um, before they can even be batched to be an employee on property. But then when you start looking at uh, who is going to uh, be in the high-level positions, your, uh, your general manager, your, your VPs, your executive directors, and so forth, uh, all of those folks need to be vetted um, uh, with intense background checks and so forth before mm-hmm. they can be batched. Uh, one of the recommendations of the JLARC study was was that be a part of the process? So that is that. That's a good thing. And then finally, the the last box for us that was really a green light that that we thought leaned to our favor was that there was a recommendation in that study that uh, that the that the Commonwealth uh, looked to do business with uh, tribes who are historic to Virginia. Now, interestingly enough, Washington County uh, is a historic Cherokee Aboriginal territory. So um, yeah. So with all of those boxes being checked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and looking at the, um, the outstanding location, the, the development that's already done at the Pinnacle, uh, you know, and, and looking at the fact that they have a customer base already that exceeds a million customers annually. 
uh, it just seems like the most logical uh, location from a business perspective. Have you had any conversations with Washington County? Have you have you been part of that, or if you left that to Steve? I left most of that to Steve. I, I've only had one conversation with, uh, and that was really just with the attorney for the county commissioners, uh, and that was just to discuss uh, what was uh, acceptable or not acceptable to use in a press release. You know, mm-hmm. It was a very high-level conversation, but as far as uh, any kind of conversations about uh, uh, policy or the direction the county wants to go. I've left all that to Steve. Okay. If the legislation does allow your project to proceed, what is the Eastern Band's commitment to this project? What will you be bringing in terms of investment? What will your role be? Talk about that, if you sure. will. Sure. So we're looking at the um, the potential customer base and what the market would support. Uh, we're we're estimating about a two hundred million dollar investment. So the Eastern Band would, would uh, we would either come in as the, the full, uh, covering the, the full cost of, of the investment as, as, a, as an owner operator. Uh, we have the ability to operate on our own. Um, if you look at our property over here, uh, there's only one Caesars employee, and that's the general manager. Everybody mm-hmm. else, all, the, all of the, um, the VPs and, and the executive staff, mm-hmm. those are all tribal members. Um, and so we have the ability to, to operate uh, the casino, own and operate the casino on our own. What we recognize is the value of a brand, mm-hmm. and so you know the question was posed to me uh, by by Paul uh, from the TV station. Um, well, do you have a management agreement? Well, we don't. We, we have a current management agreement with Caesars for these two properties. Uh, we do not have uh, an agreement with Caesars moving forward into the Virginia market. Um, however, uh, we would certainly, uh, and, and as I told Paul that day, I said, "Listen, getting a management agreement it's not a difficult thing to do." Uh, at the end of the day, the Eastern Band is the one who is bearing uh, the burden, the financial burden. Mm-hmm. We're assuming all the risk uh, because we would be uh, more than likely the, the sole equity holder in this thing. So uh, for a management company, there's no risk. Sure. They bring their brand. They bring their management team uh, for a percentage of the profit. If the whole thing falls apart, they're out nothing. So um, we, we would want to bring a brand with us. Um, right now, like I said, we're, we're just trying to get through uh, maneuvering the politics of all of this to, to try to even have a seat at the table. Have you been contacted by potential management companies since this news has come out? I have, uh, but I can't disclose those. Uh, those are just... Oh, uh, come on. I can't do it. I won't tell anyone. <laughs> can't do it. Can't do it. But uh, yeah, we've had... Uh, I will say this, that, that I have had uh, two separate conversations with two separate uh industry players. Okay. Is there a lot of due diligence required when you look at who you want your, if you want an operating partner to come in, do do you guys go through a lot of due diligence in that regard as well to make sure that they are a good fit for the project? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Current under our current management agreement with them, we have had uh, uh, a successful relationship with them now for going on. We're in year 24. I think we have a, I think we have three three years left on our current agreement. Mm. Um, you know, every time that comes up, we have to they have to negotiate with us, and uh, the partnership has been just outstanding. And uh, our because of the uh, success of our operation over here, uh, almost without fail, uh, our property, especially the resort property, um, company wide is uh, is is in the top five of customer service 
you know, they monitor customer service in, in about 10 different areas. Mm-hmm. And our resort property is, uh, is almost always in the top five in, in all of those areas. So uh, we've, had, we've had just a, a tremendous relationship with them. And, uh, you know, uh, I w- I'd like to keep that, you know, moving forward. But we'll have to, it remains to be seen because, you know, as they've mentioned already publicly, they're interested in the Danville market. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, obviously we wish And being bought best. out too, I guess, as well. I mean, they're, they're in the midst Correct. of... Yeah. Correct, right. So... Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so El Dorado Group is, is, acquiring, is acquiring Caesars. So, but that's, that's not a bad thing necessarily for Caesars mm-hmm. uh, as, as a whole, but... Okay. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about your vision for what the casino hotel property at the Pinnacle might look like as far as size and scope and... Sure. So based on the on the size of the market, uh, uh, we're projecting probably uh, a two hundred to three hundred room hotel, um, and then uh, actually I've got those numbers if you don't mind. Let me sure. Grab my device here. Yeah. That would make it easier. So I'm not just quoting numbers off the top of my head. <laughs> and I can get uh, any other data points that if I don't have them right now, I can get those for you. Okay. And just email them to you. Steve had sent me some some economic numbers mm-hmm. uh projection type things for the for the entire project not just for right yeah for your yeah, project so very impressive mm-hmm. yeah, so we're we're looking at uh the market itself uh the analytics that we have on that so far uh is that the gross uh, of course we're looking at this somebody calls me sorry i can't talk right now okay um we're looking at anywhere from 150 to 200 million in in uh gross gaming revenue and then uh, you've got the numbers on uh, projected uh uh, positions that would be created, right? The jobs that would be created in mm-hmm. that, that Steve mm-hmm. sent you. Uh, and again, probably looking at a, a two to 300 room hotel. Um, we hope to get some renderings. Um, uh, Steve's been asking me for those, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna get those to him and he can share those with you mm-hmm. once I get those to him. But uh, um, yeah, two to 300 room hotel, gross gaming revenue. Uh, we're gonna, they're, they were pegging it at uh, 150 to 200 million. So we're kind of falling toward the, the 175 number to be on the conservative side. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that could change if, uh, if we increase the, the room count uh, on the hotel. Um, but that, that, would, you know, that would be a, a kind of a wait and see on that one right now, just looking at what the, because you, know, you stick a pin in the map and go out you know, about two hours and see what your population density is. Mm-hmm. And right now that's, that's pointing to about the 150 to $200 million mark. Square footage of the casino, do you have a sense of what you want to build? Uh, as far as gaming space, we're probably looking at about 75,000 square foot feet okay. of gaming space. So about half what you have? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it would probably be more on the uh, size and scope of our Murphy property, mm-hmm. Are you, if you're familiar with that. I, I did a little bit of research on it last night, yeah. I wasn't, but... Okay. And, and that one, that, that's kind of an anomaly as well, right? So, so that one, when it was built... Um, you know, it's actually a little bit undersized uh, than what it could have been. Mm-hmm. I think at the time, uh, you know, it was it was 2010. So, I mean, the economy was in the, the throes of the, of the Great Recession. Sure. There was a lot of uncertainty. So it was a it was really a gutsy move for for the tribe at that point to even to to even uh, begin the construction process. Mm-hmm. Um, it could have been it could have been uh, of course, hindsight being 2020. Uh, the market has shown that it will support uh, all of what we're doing and more. So we've had to do expansion mm-hmm. uh, immediately, and I think we're we're just now going into year five 
on that project and already we've done an expansion where they've added a, another restaurant and they've added a, a, an smaller version of the entertainment facility like we have here, the Ultra Star, which is uh, mm -hmm. more family friendly. It's, uh, it's bowling, arcade. Uh, mm. yeah. so, mm -hmm. Um, there's been discussions about possibly expanding and doing a movie theater. Oh. Yeah. So, so we're kind of following the same model where we're trying to have a kind of a one-stop mm -hmm. shop for all of your dining and entertainment needs. So, Do you anticipate restaurants as part of your casino project in Bristol or would you kind of play to the restaurants that are already there or? Well, and again, uh, because there are already, we don't want to be a competitor to the existing uh, tenants at the Pinnacle. Mm-hmm. So, and based on the size of, uh, of the, uh, the market, it would probably have a food court um, on property. And if there was a restaurant, it would probably just be a smaller, smaller restaurant. Like, okay. And again, very much in, in line with what we have in Murphy. The, mm -hmm. the restaurant that's there, uh, it's maybe, I think it probably seats uh, maybe 100 people, 100, 100 150 people. It's not, yeah. it's not huge. Right. Uh, but... Um, and again, keeping in mind, we, we, we can't uh, infringe on uh, the existing tenants at the Pinnacle as well. So. Mm -hmm. You touched on this a minute ago, but your, your project is currently not named in the legislation as right. the legislation is framed today. Is it your hope that you would be added to the legislation, that you would replace the Bristol Hard Rock project, the, the Bristol project that is named? Or are, are you more inclined toward the competitive bidding that you talked about? Yeah. Certainly, the latter. Uh, okay. So, so from a governance standpoint, uh, I, I don't think that, and this is not just in this is just in general. Okay, mm -hmm. I, I don't ever uh, when, when we're talking about economic development, I, I don't ever think that it's wise to put into law uh, mm -hmm. where where you you really hem yourself in, right? Because markets change, right? And and at that point you don't have the ability to operate in, in a true free market because you created a law that says, here's where this is happening. So uh, I'm, I'm certainly more uh, hopeful that what ends up happening in the legislation is that there's a competitive bid process. And the reason being is that is what is in the best interest of the citizens of, of the Commonwealth, right? Mm -hmm. That's, because at the end of the day, it may not be us. Mm -hmm. But if there's a competitive bid process and the recommendations of, of the JLARC study are followed, then this independent, non-biased third party is going to vet everything and say, citizens of Virginia, this is what's in the best interest uh, of the state going with this vendor on this particular mm -hmm. uh, piece of property over mm -hmm. here. And if that's us, outstanding. But if it's not, it means that uh, whoever does win the day, the, 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 the benefactor in the end will mm -hmm. be the citizens of the Commonwealth. Yeah. Is there a is there a backup plan that if if this if the project doesn't come to to be through the legislation, you, you mentioned that it's Cherokee heritage territory. Might you seek a federal? Uh, no, no. <laughs> I can give you the the quick short answer to that. No. Okay. Uh, if you're not familiar with the process for uh, acquiring land into trust for the purpose of gaming, uh, it, it's the under IGRA, it is Section 20 of IGRA. It's a two-part determination process. Uh, like all other federal processes, uh, it's a very arduous process. Uh, it's not necessarily uh, a fair process, mm. but that's just my personal opinion on it. But the, the bigger issue from a high level, um, I can tell you historically that since 1988, 
There have only been about a dozen tribes nationwide that have even bothered to try to go through the process. Uh, and the process itself usually takes, on average, about 10 years or more. Um, you will spend anywhere from, you know, at the low end, $10 million. On the high end, there are times to spend as much as $30 million. Uh, and and the, the bad part is, is, is at the end of the entire process, the governor of that state has the ability to say, I don't concur, and he or she just doesn't sign off on it, and that's the end of it. So, you know, from an investment standpoint, mm. I don't think anybody, yeah. you know, who has, who's worth their salt when they're looking at, uh, you know, weighing risk and, and everything else, it's just not a, it's just not a viable path. I mean, why would you invest 10 to 15 years of time and 20 to $30 million worth of money, and at the end, there's a pretty good chance that the answer is going to be no, or yeah. there's a, a real good chance that the answer is going to be no. Okay. So no, that we we see, um, you know, that that there are greater opportunities for us, um, trying to get into other commercial markets, and if if even not as an owner operator, just as an equity partner, um, looking at other opportunities in the hospitality industry, mm-hmm. uh, creating our own brand um, of hotels, th- things of that nature. That's those are things we can do right now mm-hmm. and hit the ground running with, as opposed to submitting ourselves to a federal process that moves at a snail's pace. And then whenever there's a change in administration uh, in the White House, there's oftentimes a turnover in high, those high-level positions yeah. at the Department of the Interior. And just you just never know how things are going to go. Okay. Too much uncertainty. Yeah, okay. Very Way too good. much uncertainty. I, I appreciate you explaining that yeah. because I've read a little bit about it and it sounded like it was incredibly complex. It so, is. Yeah. It is. Very good. I know you guys have retained some lobbyists who are working in Richmond. Have you heard any feedback from them yet as far as what they're hearing from lawmakers? Uh, they're, they're hopeful because, uh, you know, they're from some, obviously you have, uh, you have folks that, that uh, and again, politics being what there are, there are folks who have their interests and their, you know, for their particular constituents. And I respect that, that, you know, they're, they're standing their ground. The bill, as it, you know, as it's written, that's what we need to go with. Yeah. That's the plan. So that's what we're going with. Uh, but they're hopeful because they're, they're talking to other, other lawmakers who are saying, you know, I look after reading the JLR study. Yeah, we, I agree that, you know, it would probably be better to have a competitive bid process. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that at this point, that's the best we can hope for is uh, because it, uh, at the end of the day, that's democracy and the free market uh, working together. Right. And, and at the end, uh, at the end of all of it, again, the benefactors are the citizens. So. On the Record is made possible by David Cricker, Delana Matthews, David McGee, Nate Hubbard, and Tim Hayes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you.